Luke 1, 39 through 56. This is God's word for us this day. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Will you pray with me? Lord, I would ask you to add your blessing to the reading and study of your word here this day. Help us to find hope and joy and challenge and worship and gospel here. Be magnified. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. You know, You only have to go to a local store or turn on a radio station sometime, oh, I would say in the month of November, maybe even in October these days, to find out that we are in the season approaching the celebration of Christmas. How many of you are Christmassy people? A couple of you are. Not everybody is. I get that. I get that. Hey, (laughs) you are, right? That's what I thought. How can you tell walking around our world when you're in the Christmas season. You know, everywhere you listen, you hear songs that are different, right? For, well, again, I would argue for one month, but some people would suggest two. Um, There's a different sound all around us. And whether they're songs of snow and sleighs and Santas and whatever else, or whether they are songs about the child born in Bethlehem, Songs are a central part of how we as a people celebrate Christmas. Well, in today's passage of Scripture, God is going to share with us one of the most important of songs ever composed. In Luke chapter 1, we read Mary visiting with her relative Elizabeth, and during that visit, Mary breaks out in song. It's a song of worship. It's a song of beauty. It's a song of prophecy. It is, in one sense, you might say, the first real Christmas song. And as we look at this song, we're going to learn about how you and I should respond to God in true worship for God's great faithfulness. And 
hopefully we'll be reminded that this kind of worship is very appropriate during this season of the year. It's appropriate all year round, by the way. Now, for you to understand this passage of Scripture, we kind of need to know what happened before all this. The setting here is just a few months before the birth of Jesus Christ. The people of Judah are being ruled by the Roman Empire, and the people in Judah who are faithful to God are longing for a Savior to come. They're longing for God to send the promised one to them. Even if the people don't know exactly what the Savior is going to do, they want him to come. They want him to show up in Israel. They want him to change the world forever. That's what they're begging God for. Well, in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25, we read about a priest named Zechariah. He and his wife were older, and they were sadly childless. But in a glorious moment, the Lord sent an angel to give Zechariah some great news. The angel promised Zechariah that God was going to send the Savior very soon. And the angel told Zechariah that he and his wife were going to have a baby, a special child, and that child's mission was going to be to prepare the people of God to meet the Savior who was about to come. Now, Zechariah in the temple of God, face to face with an angel, hearing this message, for whatever reason, cannot bring himself to fully believe it. And the angel makes it so Zechariah cannot speak a word until that child is born and named. Then, verses 26 to 38, we meet a young lady. Her name's Mary. And the same angel that spoke to Zechariah came to Mary and told Mary that she would be the woman chosen by God, blessed by God, to give birth to the coming Savior. Now this surprised Mary as much as the visit to Zechariah surprised Zechariah. Mary was a virgin. She was engaged to be married, but she was not yet a bride. And the angel told Mary that the child to be born was not going to have a human father. The child to be born was going to be conceived by the Spirit of God. This child would quite literally be the Son of God. And in wonder, Mary believed the angel's words. And the angel also told Mary, hey, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah, that older lady, advanced in years, I believe is what Zechariah called her, um, which I think husbands might be the way that we're supposed to say it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Ladies, would you, would you prefer well advanced in years? Is that a good phrase? I, I, no. no, they say. Well, this lady who was <clears throat> advanced in years was now miraculously six months pregnant, even at that age. So it's in the light of those glorious promises, right? Two visits from an angel. Two miraculous pregnancies. We're going to look in on a meeting between these two women, Mary and Elizabeth, and here we'll start finding some points of application for ourselves. This is fun, guys. Point number one. First, how about one word point? Fellowship. Just write the word fellowship there. It's a verb. Luke 1, verses 39 and 40. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. 
So Mary takes off from Nazareth in Galilee to a town in the Judean countryside. She would have had to walk somewhere between 50 and 75 miles, give or take. This woman would have walked for at least, at least three days. It could have been a longer trip than that. But the distance does not seem to have discouraged Mary. The Bible says that Mary hurried. She wanted to get to Elizabeth's house quick as she could. She wanted to talk with this relative of hers. Now, think with me for a minute. Just we're going to exercise our brains a little bit. Why do you think Mary wanted to go talk to Elizabeth? Because the Bible does not say, and this is why she wanted to go. Why do you think that she went there? This isn't hard to think through, is it? Mary hears from an angel that her relative Elizabeth was pregnant with a miraculous pregnancy. Elizabeth was older than Mary. So it's likely that Mary has a couple of good reasons to go, right? On the one hand, would you guys think it's, it's unlikely that Mary went to Elizabeth so that Mary herself could be helped and encouraged in her own right by Elizabeth? That makes sense, doesn't it? Mary was young. Mary was probably less than 14 years old. She was engaged to be married to a man who when he hears that she's pregnant and he knows he had nothing to do with it, he could very well divorce her as soon as he finds out about her pregnancy. Mary was facing a calling from God that would most certainly subject her to social ridicule long before the world would call her blessed. So it makes sense that Mary might want to go talk to another woman, the only other woman alive on earth at that time who would understand what it was like to have a supernatural pregnancy heralded by an angel from God. Mary no doubt sought Elizabeth's advice and wisdom. No doubt Mary just wanted to hear, what, what did the Lord do with you? What did the angel say to you? What was this like? They shared experience. Mary, Mary wants to walk through this amazing call of God with her cousin. And Mary also probably went, I, I think it's feasible. You guys tell me if you think so. I think it's feasible. Mary might have went to help. Elizabeth was, again, <clears throat> advanced in years. She was beyond the age of childbearing. And she was six months pregnant. Now, ladies who have had babies, things get uncomfortable later in the, uh, the time as it's time for a baby to be born, right? Ladies remember wanting those things to come out as quickly as possible, right? Get, get, I've, I've heard women say, get this thing out of me. And, 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 and it's hard. And, and your back hurts, and you, you start getting, um, oh gosh, what's the word? Unwieldy. Maybe that's the word. Is that a good word? I don't know what the right words are, guys. I'm just trying my best. So well-advanced and unwieldy are both not good words. So anyway, but, but if, now imagine, ladies, don't you know there's a reason why God has y'all having babies when you're pretty much under 40 for the most part, Right? Imagine that for you dear ladies who are 60 or 70, that unwieldy discomfort. Oh, there's a bunch of ladies going, ooh, <laughs> I used to like this story. Don't you think Mary went to offer comfort and encouragement and, and just lend a helping hand to Elizabeth on these three months of her pregnancy? 
That makes sense, doesn't it? And ladies, when you had your babies, those who have had that blessing, did anybody come and help you? Was it helpful? Right? Alone is not good in this time. With people is better. Now, before we get into the words of Mary and Elizabeth and the song, let's just stop and apply a simple point here. And that would be that Christians, we ought to be participating in genuine fellowship. The best term that I can come up with for why Mary went to visit Elizabeth is fellowship. And I'm not saying that Mary went to see Elizabeth to have a potluck or an ice cream social. I mean, those are fine things to do, but that's not what fellowship is. Mary went to Elizabeth in order to share the experience of living out the will of God together. Mary went to Elizabeth to tell her about what God was doing in her life. Mary went to ask Elizabeth about what God was doing in Elizabeth's life. Mary went to receive comfort and encouragement from Elizabeth while offering comfort and encouragement to Elizabeth and walking together, sharing with each other, encouraging each other, helping one another, telling each other about your experience of the plan of God. Folks, that's what fellowship is all about so as as we come here toward the christmas season let's just learn here from mary and elizabeth let's make it a point make it a point that you will participate in genuine christian fellowship and you say travis what does that mean i need to do i'm so glad you asked you This week, next week, find somebody who you know in the faith and share with them what the Lord is doing in your life and through your life. Share with them what your struggles are and hear what their struggles are. Offer them help. Offer them advice and wisdom and encouragement. Walk the Christian life together with openness, with with honesty, with an eagerness to share. And if you do stuff like that, you're going to find that you are strengthened personally. You're going to find that you're strengthening somebody else. You're going to find that the church is strengthened as a whole because you and other fellow believers have participated in true God-honoring fellowship. But there's more for us to learn here than fellowship in the passage. So we're going to learn a little bit more about the blessing of God from what Elizabeth says in, verse, in, in point two here. Um, I'm going to call second point, find joy in the plan of God. First fellowship, then find joy in the plan of God. Look at all the joy in 41 to 45. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary... The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this that the granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord." So as soon as Mary, you know, knocks on the door, comes in and says hello to Elizabeth, however this works, God did something really special. 
the first thing God does is makes the unborn child in Elizabeth's womb leap for joy. And Elizabeth is overjoyed with the favor that she has received. You see, Elizabeth, she's filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes on Elizabeth, and she speaks out of the joy that she's experiencing from the Spirit of God. Verse 42, Elizabeth says, Mary is blessed. You see that there? She's most blessed among women. Why is Mary so blessed? She's blessed here because she is graciously chosen by God to participate in the carrying out of God's holy plan. That's why she's blessed. She's blessed because God chose her to use her in his plan. Friends, to be allowed by God to join God in bringing glory to the name of God, that is the highest blessing a human being can experience. It is cause for great joy. Don't forget that. But then Elizabeth declares that the child in Mary's womb is blessed. The unborn Jesus, carried by his mother, is truly blessed. Now, Jesus is blessed in a different way than Mary was blessed, right? Jesus is not being given favor by another in the same way Mary was. Jesus is blessed because Jesus is God. Jesus is the blessed one. Jesus is the embodiment of blessing. Verse 43, Elizabeth recognizes that she herself has been specially favored. She's been specially blessed too. Why? She's blessed because she, of all people, gets to know something of God's plan and she gets a visit from Mary carrying the unborn Son of God. It is a blessing, Christians, to be brought into the life of somebody carrying out the will of God for the glory of God. Then verse 44, we see that the unborn John the Baptist is blessed by the arrival of Jesus. He, I said it earlier, leapt for joy. Now, why was he so happy? He was happy because he was in the presence of the Lord. He was in the presence of people carrying out the will of the Lord for the glory of the Lord, and it made him happy. Verse 45, we've got one more pronouncement of blessing from Elizabeth this time, Elizabeth says, Mary is blessed because she believed God would do what he promised. See, Zechariah doubted the angel's words in the temple, right? He received the chastening of God for his lack of faith. He couldn't talk. Mary believed. And Elizabeth said, Mary is blessed because she believed it's just hitting me right now. I hope Zechariah wasn't in the room at the time that she said this. <laughs> Blessed are you who believe what the angel said. Right, honey? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he was there or not. But, but she's saying it's a blessing. Oh, God, what a great thing that you heard from God and you believed it. Now, y'all, there's a whole lot of joy and blessing, blessing, blessing talk in those verses. So let's boil it down to a few things that'll help you and me know about the blessing of God. First, there's joy in the presence of God, right? 
John the Baptist, as a baby in the womb, leapt for joy, verses 41, 44, because he was in the room with Jesus, God the Son. It is a joyous thing to be in the presence of God. There is joy in being used by God. Christians, don't ever forget this. In verse 42, Elizabeth declares, Mary is blessed greatly. She's blessed not not because God gave her a bunch of money, not because she has a bunch of prosperity. She's blessed by being chosen by God to carry out the plan of God. And there is joy in helping somebody who's being used by God. Verse 43, Elizabeth rejoices at the fact that she is allowed to play a small part in helping Mary along in her fulfilling of the will of God. And then, verse 45, we learn that people are blessed. You're blessed when you, you learn, when you, when you hear and obey God. There is a blessing in obedience. Obedience itself is a blessing. that make sense? Obedience itself is a blessing. You, you got to get this in your mind. I, I wish this was one of those I could really grab for us and make us buy it. But you know, some, some things you only get when you get it. You don't obey God so that God will bless you in the future. Obeying God actually is a blessing. Mary and Elizabeth, they were overjoyed at the fact that they could believe the message of God and just do what God said. You ever think about the fact that God doesn't need you? The Lord is not on his throne going, oh, I just wish I could get my kingdom to work. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you are going to take care of that for me. God can accomplish his will very well without your help or mine. True? How many of you, I'm going to illustrate here. This isn't in my notes. It's always dangerous, but I think it's okay. How many of you have ever tried to complete a task with the help of your children? Um, Let's just imagine a dad painting a wall. And so the dad is going to draw, paint a little line here and say, all right, son, you paint from here down to the base. Now, what's that going to result in? Will, will there be paint on that wall? At least, right? Will it be the most efficient paint job ever, ever done? Does the dad need the help? But is it not a loving, sweet act of the dad to have the son help? Do you see the same thing in the Lord and his kingdom? Does he need you to accomplish his will? No. But isn't it a kind, sweet blessing of God that he would let you participate? See, the fact that God willingly would include you and me in his work, it is loving and gracious. So let's learn. We don't obey as if we're making a down payment on a big-time purchase of a future blessing, although, in fact, obedience does lead to great future blessing. But guys, 
Let's remember that the privilege is simply that the God who created us, who is perfect, who is holy, who saved our souls, the God who is all-powerful would allow you and me to serve him and take part in his plan. That's a blessing. God created you for God's glory. And when you obey God, you are blessed with joy because you carry out the purpose for which you exist. Now, I am going to make a side point here before we move on it's not exactly the heart intent of the passage but it's so clean and clear here you've got to see it john the baptist in the womb what did he do he leapt for joy in response to the presence of jesus jesus in the womb is called blessed by elizabeth these children in their mother's wombs are alive they are living people known by god blessed by God, chosen by God. John takes part in an action that's clearly a part of the sign of human life because I guarantee you that no non-living people have been blessed, have been leaping for joy, right? John responded to the sound of Mary's voice, to the presence of the Lord by leaping for joy. Children in the womb are very clearly in Scripture shown to be alive. To kill such a child voluntarily, willingly, is murder. And we, as the children of God, do need to do what we can to protect the lives of unborn children because they are people made in the image of God. With me? All right. Now, let's go forward in the text. Let's come to the song, because I talked about songs, right? Third point. Sing the praises of God for all he has done. Sing the praises of God for all he's done. Let's just look at 46 through 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So Mary responds to Elizabeth. She breaks out in song right here. It is a simple picture of Hebrew poetry like you see in any psalm. Mary just starts singing the first Christmas song. And that was normal, by the way, for for people, for for Hebrews to do. Their culture and their language lent itself to being able to break forward and break out in this kind of poetic praise. It was their culture to do so. So this is not weird now, if your Bible has a heading here, it might have the word, the phrase, the Magnificat. Do you guys have the Magnificat written in there? Any of you? So it's, it's, from, it's from the Latin word that opens the passage where Jesus says, my soul magnifies God. Well, the first section of the song, we see Mary sings the praise of God. Why? Because of what God has done in her life particularly, Right? Verses 46 and 47, Mary breaks forth in praise. She magnifies the Lord. And by the way, watch the poetry. Have I done Hebrew poetry with some of you guys before? We kind of see what it looks like. Look at the the line. My soul magnifies the Lord. So think of my soul as a thing, magnifies as a thing, and the Lord as a thing in the sentence. And then my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So my soul and my spirit are parallel thoughts, same idea, right? Magnifies and rejoices are parallel thoughts, same idea, which means she sees the Lord as God, my Savior, parallels, just beautiful pictures of of Hebrew poetry right there. 
Mary, in a beautiful poetic fashion, is praising God with everything she's got in her. Then 48 and 49, Mary says why she's praising God so much. He has done great things for her, even though she was lowly, even though Mary herself says, I am lowly and insignificant. She knows this. She's a young girl from a backwater town in the country. God used her to accomplish the greatest birth in human history. Mary knows all generations are going to rise and call her blessed. Why? Is she blessed because she earned it? No. Is she blessed because she is a better human being than other human beings? No, that's not why God blessed her. She is blessed not by being made rich, not by being made powerful. She's being blessed by God because God allows her to participate in his plan. So Mary gives thanks and praise to the mighty, holy God who has done a great thing in her life. Then 50 to 53. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. So now verse 50, we're transitioning from the focus in what God did personally for Mary and we're starting to see that Mary knows that God is doing something special for the whole world. Mary declares that God's mercy is for whom? For those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary's not the only blessed one. Everyone who fears God, who has a proper reverence for and awe of and respect for and submission to God is blessed by God. Fearing God brings you blessing. Why? Well, in fact, it is a blessing too that you would fear God. Why? God will bless people with with his presence as we glorify his name. When we give glory to God, God actually helps us to rejoice in the glory that we're giving him because God is glorious. We glorify God by fearing God. Verses 51 to 53, we see that Mary, she's seeing the outworking. She sees the outworking of what God is going to do. There is an incredible contrast coming. By the power of God, God is doing something through the child Mary carries that the world will think of as amazing. God God is going to bless the people that the world considers to be nothing. And at the same time, in God's plan, God is going to bring down those the world thinks are the most important. Look at who God blesses. We saw that God blesses those who fear him, verse 50. God exalts those of humble estate, 52, and fills the hungry with good things, verse 53. Now, stop for a moment, because verb tense is important here. At the time Mary says this, all of a sudden Mary starts singing this song. Does Mary singing this song mean more hungry people are eating that day? Did Mary's song just pop a bunch of food in a bunch of houses that didn't have food before? No. There were not humble people who were suddenly given extra high positions because of Mary singing at that moment. But Mary understands that this plan of God's is ultimately going to end up turning the world upside down. 
And the ones who are going to be ultimately and eternally blessed are the ones who serve God. It doesn't matter what your social rank or your social position is in life right now is. You might seem in this world to be poor and hungry and lowly and insignificant, but in eternity, if you fear God, if you are in Christ, you are eternally blessed. And the child that Mary has in her womb, he is going to fulfill this promise of God. Now, on the other hand, look who's going to be cursed. Look who's going to be brought low because of the child in Mary's womb. God has scattered the proud, verse 51, brought down the mighty from their thrones, verse 52, and sent the rich away empty, verse 53. So the people the world thinks are great, God is going to bring down to nothing. If they do not fear God, if they do not serve God, their wealth and their success in this life is not going to mean a thing. Now, has any of that changed as Mary sings? When Mary was singing, did any of that really change? No. But the child in Mary's womb is going to be the one who changes it all. Jesus brings an eternal perspective to the working of God. Jesus makes the following of God, the fearing of God, faith in God to be the ultimate test of eternal blessing. You want blessing? Be with Jesus. You might be poor. It's okay. Be with Jesus. You will find eternal blessing in him. The arrival of Jesus wasn't just a blessing to Mary, though. Jesus' arrival is a blessing to all who fear God. They might be poor. They might be insignificant. If the people fear God, they can be ultimately blessed and lifted up in Jesus. People might seem rich. They might seem successful. They might seem beautiful. They might seem powerful. They might seem to have everything the world around us wants. But if they don't have the Lord in their lives, if they don't have forgiveness in Jesus, they will be brought low. Isn't that great? The same Jesus who saves the soul of a contrite sinner who has faith in him is the same Jesus who destroys the arrogant man who thinks that he is above God. 54 through 56 then says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So Mary brings into view... The last part of the song, the fact that the arrival of Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Isn't that wild? Genesis 12, verse 3, God promised that he is going to bless Abraham and his descendants. And he promised that he's going to bless all the nations of the world through an offspring of Abraham. Well, the coming of the child in Mary's womb is the fulfillment of that promise from God. How's that work? Jesus was descended in an earthly sense from the house of David as a descendant of Abraham. And Jesus will, when all of history is said and done, he is sitting on the throne of the universe. He will sit as king over the whole world forever. He will reign forever and ever and ever. Jesus came for the purpose of dying on a cross to pay the price for our sins God told Abraham all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through one of Abraham's descendants. Jesus' death purchases for any person of any nation who will believe a full, complete pardon, perfect forgiveness from God. So in saving the souls of people from every nation of the world, Jesus fulfills God's promise. He will bless the whole world through one of Abraham's offspring, even as he then rises to reign forever. So like Mary sang, we ought to be singers 
all year round. But as we think about the birth of the Savior, we ought to be singers. We should sing like Mary of the way that God has blessed us. If you're a child of God, if you're forgiven by God's grace through faith in Christ, you should sing of the faithfulness of God to save your soul. You should sing of God's goodness to a sinner like you. That should be normal. And we should sing of God's faithfulness to others. Because of the coming of Christ, we know that the poor and the humble of the world are blessed by God. We know that we don't have to be powerful or beautiful or eloquent or wealthy to be children of God. Thanks to Jesus, what we need is to fear God and trust in Jesus to be called the children of God. God has been good to us in so many ways that we ought to sing of that great, great faithfulness. And we, like Mary, should sing of God's faithfulness to carry out his promises. God promised all through the Bible that he was going to send somebody who was going to destroy the power of sin. He promised somebody who would defeat the devil and who would redeem for God a people from every nation and every language. And God has done that great work in Jesus. And God has kept his promises. And God has shown himself to be great. And God has shown himself to be faithful. And because of that, we can know that all of God's promises are always going to be all the way fulfilled all of God's words will come true and because we know that we ought to be singing of them even as Christmas comes we ought to be singing about the faithful God who planned something and pulled it off beautifully and who will ultimately be ultimately faithful because of the Savior through the Savior Mary stayed with Elizabeth three months after her arrival like right up to the time John was born. I don't know if Mary was, was there when John was born and then left right afterwards or she left right before. I don't know. And the Bible doesn't tell us what Mary and Elizabeth did. The Bible doesn't tell us what they talked about for those three months. But don't you think it's pretty likely that both of their faiths grew as they watched the amazing outworking of the plan of God in each other's lives? These ladies had to be encouraged as they participated in genuine fellowship together. They shared their experiences of walking the plan of God. They were both blessed as they took their part in bringing glory to the name of God, and they carried out the will of God. And I gotta believe that they sang songs of praise to God for God's great faithfulness to them, to others, and to his promises. So let's learn from them. Let's participate in fellowship together. Let's find the joy of, of, of being part of God's plan. And let's sing together of the great goodness, mercy, and faithfulness of our God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us that people who know you, people who are blessed, are people who sing your praises. Help us, God, we would ask, help us to be people who are faithful to exalt you well. Help us to be people who share with one another of the good things that you've been doing in our lives. Help us, God, to know you well, to worship you well, and to find great joy in being simply used by you as part of your plan. God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, I pray that you'll help them to see and understand that the child 
that is such a fulfillment of so many great promises. He is their only, only hope to be forgiven of God. I pray that you'll draw people to you and that you will heighten our joy in you and help us to be faithful. Even this season as we celebrate. We pray it all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.